Hold your Bibles up in the air with me or your notes. Say this after me if, if you would. I believe in God the Father Almighty, maker of heaven and earth. And in Jesus Christ, his only begotten Son, our Lord. He was conceived by the Holy Ghost. Born of the Virgin Mary. Suffered under Pontius Pilate. Was crucified, dead, and buried. He descended into death. On the third day, he rose again. He ascended into heaven. And right now sits at the right hand of God the Father Almighty. From there he will come to judge the living and the dead. I believe in the Holy Ghost. God's holy church. The communion of saints. The forgiveness of sins. The resurrection of the body. And the life everlasting. Amen. So that you don't think that you're saying a, uh, so that you don't think that you're just saying a, like this cultish prayer. Uh, the prayer's been around for about 1,700 years, and over a billion people pray it every single week. So one of the reasons we pray it, we pray it really for two big reasons. Number one is we pray it because it is a declaration of what we believe. And if you ever, if you're ever thinking, if some, one of your friends goes, "What do y'all even believe over there?" You say this. Well, I believe in God the Father, maker of heaven and earth, and Jesus Christ, his only begotten Son, our Lord. Is, so, you, so you do that. That's what you say you believe. The second thing that we do is it reminds us that we're part of a larger community, a community that is somewhere around 2.2 billion people on the earth, and we worship Jesus Christ, and so that's why we do that, to remind ourselves we're part of a large community. When we worship tonight, when we lifted our hands and we sing, we weren't, we weren't doing that by ourselves. We were singing with millions and millions and millions and millions of people around the world that were singing at the same time we were, which is exciting to think about. And we weren't singing, and all of us millions of people weren't singing by ourselves, but we were joining in the angelic and the created chorus of the universe, the stars that spin and shine and the animals that run and flap and swim and the trees and the flowers that bloom are all singing and declaring the glory of God. And you stand and sing and you worship and you join in in that chorus. And that's what we do. So tonight we're uh, in the middle of our series two by two. I want to be, I want to make sure that you understand what two by two means. What two by two is, is it is a strategy. It's a strategy to give you an opportunity to bring someone closer to Jesus now, I want to I uh, be very clear. Salvation is the process by which we come closer to Jesus. I believe with all of my heart that Jesus is the only hope for the world, that the world goes to hell without Jesus. And I'm not talking about hell like this place that we're scared of to go when we die, that's, that's got fire and demons and all that kind of stuff. Forget all of that. I'm talking about hell that is a world filled with violence and greed and selfishness, a world that's filled with abuse and, 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 and those people that would manipulate and exploit other people. That's what hell I'm talking about. And without Jesus, our world goes to hell. Our world is hell. And our world continues to uh, 
continues to bring help. And so what Jesus does is it, is it gives us this, this challenge to live another way. And so what two-by-two is, is it's a strategy for you to bring people to Jesus. You have friends that are living in hell. You don't know it because they have this mask that so many of us, some of, some of you, you do know it. You see your friends and they'll tell you, I'm struggling, I'm having a hard time, I'm living in depression, I'm living with, a, with strife or stress or struggle. You, some, of you, some of your friends are, 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 will, will be open to say that, but many of you have friends that are not going to be open to say it. And there's this internal struggle, this internal hell that goes on inside of them, and you have the answer. And Jesus is the hope of the world, but even more important for us today, Jesus is the only hope for your friend. And so when we talk about salvation, all we're saying is two by two is this partnership that me and Carson, we decide that we're going to be partners. We're two, and we're going to pray for two people. And we're going to do acts of kindness for two people, and we're going to invite two people, and we're going to try to draw them closer to Jesus. That's what two is, two by two is. So tonight I want to look at, um, I want to, so, so the strategy is prayer, kindness, invitation. And so tonight I want to look at the kindness part. If you look with me in your Bibles at Luke chapter 19, a fun little story about Zacchaeus, a wee little man. It says Luke chapter 19, if you'll look with me, if you've got your Bibles or you, if you've got your um, if you got your notes, either one of them will work. Got them on both of them. Luke chapter 19, it says, Jesus entered Jericho and was passing through. A man was there by the name of Zacchaeus, and he was a chief tax collector and was wealthy. He wanted to see who this Jesus was, but because he was short, he could not see over the crowd, so he ran ahead, climbed a sycamore fig tree to see him since Jesus was coming that way. When Jesus reached the spot, he looked up and said to him, Zacchaeus, come down out of the tree. I have to come stay at your house today. What Jesus just did is he invited himself over to Zacchaeus's for dinner. Anybody ever had somebody invite themselves over to your house to eat? Like that's, you wonder, like that's kind of imposing, right? That's a little bit rude. Jesus does it to Zacchaeus. Zacchaeus, get out of the tree. Stop staring at me. I'm coming to your house to eat. Now, in this day, what you need to understand is one of the most important moments you can have with somebody is sharing a meal. And I would argue one of the most important moments that you can have with someone today is sharing a meal. I've said it a hundred times. I'll keep saying it. Good food with good people and good conversation is as good as life gets. And if you can't enjoy good food with good people and good conversation, then you have some issues. And uh, most likely the issue is your cell phone. I'd get off of it. All right. What? What? So, all of the people saw this and they began to mutter, he's gone to be the guest of a sinner. So, let me give you a little bit of context for Zacchaeus. Zacchaeus was a tax collector. And what, what the code word here in the New Testament, what the Gospels are telling us, is that the Israelites, the Jewish people, Jesus was a Jew and he was among a bunch of Jewish people, and they were slaves to the Romans. So, Jesus was a slave. They were slaves to the Romans. And what happened is, is the Romans had come and said, we're going to tax our subjects. We're going to tax our slaves. We're going to let them work, and then we're going to tax them. We're going to tax them big time. And what they wanted to do is they said, well, we don't want to waste our people to tax them. So they went around and recruited other Jewish people to be tax collectors. If you were recruited to be a tax collector, what you would do is you would go take up taxes. But what all tax collectors were known to do is, is they would come in 
And they would say, for instance, they would look at Kira and say, Kira owed the Romans $10. They would say, Kira, you owe the Romans $15. And, and Kira, and I would take that money, I would give the Romans what they wanted, and I would pocket the rest. And so Zacchaeus had got wealthy because he had exploited his own people. He had backstabbed his own people. These were his people, and he had taken advantage of them. So all of the people, Jesus looks at Zacchaeus, and he says to him, Zacchaeus, I want to do the most intimate, I want to do, I want to do the most intimate thing that people can do outside of married people, right? I want to do, I want to have a, I want to have a deep relationship with you around a meal. God bless you. I want to have a relationship with you around a meal today. It's the most important thing you can do with somebody. He said, I want to have good food with good people and have good conversation because that's as good as life gets. And all of the people went, with Zacchaeus? He's a traitor. They were upset. But Zacchaeus stood up and said to the Lord, Look, Lord, here and now I give half my possessions to the poor. And if I've cheated anybody out of anything, I will pay back four times the amount. Jesus said to him, Today salvation has come to this house because this man too is a son of Abraham for the son of man came to seek and to save the lost. Three quick points. Number first one, number first one is this. Number one is this, your past and your reputation matter. So what is it that Zacchaeus is attracted to if not for Jesus' reputation? He hears that Jesus is coming to town and he climbs up in a tree and he says, I want to see what's going on with this guy. What's happening with this person? Why are people so excited to see him? Why are people so excited to hear what he has to say? Why, are, why am I hearing these rumors that when people get around Jesus, their lives change? And so Zacchaeus says, I got to see him because Jesus' reputation mattered. I was, uh, I was a senior in high school and I was, I had, um, for some reason, um, there was this kid that I thought was the coolest kid in my class. And uh, his name was Gabe. His name was Gabe, and uh, I wanted y'all to hear my enunciation. And he, uh, he, was, he was just cool, and he said, hey, man, let's hang out uh, Friday night. And I said, there was a, look, I'm not too cool to tell you how I felt, but I felt, dang, this is kind of cool. The coolest kid in my class wants to hang out with, with me. And he said, let's hang out. So I said, great. So we started hanging out on Friday nights, and we would hang out on Friday nights, and we would go, we would go back then, we would go cruising for girls. Look, we didn't have um, cell phones and stuff. You guys now cruise for girls or cruise for boys on cell phones. We cruised for boys. We didn't. We cruised for, we cruised for girls. We did not do that. I, I cruised for girls. Uh, some people cruise for boys. I did not. I cruised for girls. Anyway. Uh, we cruise for girls. Um, we cruise for girls on Friday nights. We cruise in cars, like we went to 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 go find them and look at them and talk to them in person. Um, so we would do that every Friday night, and we had this we had this uh, this basically this this mapped area of how, how we would go um, to to find to find girls. And uh, I, to be honest with you, now that I look back at it. Uh, it, it, it reminds me a little bit of, of like a dog chasing a car that goes by the road. Have you ever thought, like, what does the dog going to do if he catches the car? Like, what is it going to do? He's like, and the in the, in the car stops, and the dog says, I don't even know what to do now. That was me. 
what am I going to do if I'm cruising for girls? And I say, hey, pull over. And she does. And I was like, <laughs> you know, so, so we're cruising for girls. So in the, in the meantime, doing all this, I had made a commitment that I was going to be a follower of Jesus Christ. And so Gabe and my conversations would regularly be about my commitment to follow Jesus Christ and what that meant for me. And it meant some significant things. It meant that my life was going to be lived for Jesus, not for myself. It meant that I was going to make a decision about my occupation, that I allowed God to influence, not just make a decision on whatever I thought about money and status. It also meant that there were certain habits that my friends that were, were doing that I wasn't going to have anything to do with. So Gabe was a smoker. I don't know why anyone would ever smoke in life, but I get it. It happens. Um, I don't know why anybody starts. I can promise you this. I've never met anybody that started smoking that didn't regret it years later. So Gabe was a smoker. And, uh, and, and he said, you don't smoke, do you? I said, no. He said, you don't drink, do you? I said, no. He said, you don't smoke weed, do you? I said, no. Remember, I said, I don't smoke. He said, you don't, uh, he said, he said, you don't even cuss, do you? I said, no. I just, it's just my commitment to live a life that I, uh, I'm just not going to do those things. And so we're driving down the road one day, and uh, we're talking. And, and, and just a normal Friday night cruising for girls, not sure what we're going to do if we catch one. <clears throat> and, and, uh, and we're on our way home, we're on our way back home, and Gabe looks at me, random. I mean, we've just, we just been hanging, chilling, having fun. Gabe looks at me out of nowhere and goes, you know what? And I went, what? He goes, take these from me. And he hands me a pack of cigarettes. I don't, you know, for a second I thought, Gabe, you know. I'm not, I'm like, he says, throw those out the window. And I went, deal. And I rolled it. I know y'all don't know what this means, but I did this right here. <laughs> okay, give me a second. And I threw them out the window. And he said, and then I rolled my window back up because it was cold. It was the winter. And, uh, and he said, you know what? Being around you makes me want to be a better person. No, it's not an awe moment. My God, he didn't say you have a cute puppy dog face. But there was something about, look, I, I, I don't like to tell, I, I, I like to tell stories about myself that, that disparage me more often than I, than, but however, that was one of those moments where he said, man, being around you makes me want to be different. I don't want to ever smoke again. That's what he said. I don't want to ever smoke again. There's something about our reputation that matters. When you and I are known as a follower of Jesus Christ, whether you purposefully or intentionally want to share your faith, people see your faith. Faith isn't something that we just say. Faith is something that we live. And people see us and you have, a, there's every person in this room has a reputation. I have good news for you. The good news is this, your reputation matters. And if you don't like what your reputation is right now, you are in an absolutely perfect place to begin to change it now. The longer you wait in life, the harder it's going to be to change it. And so begin to change it now. If you say, you know what? There have been some, there, there's some of my behavior that I know doesn't make Jesus look good. If you say, I'm a follower of Jesus, and there are things in your life that doesn't look like you follow Jesus, then you are disparaging all other Christians too. And so now is a perfect time to begin to guard your reputation because your reputation matters. I, there are going to be people that if you will live a life that glorifies Jesus with your commitments and with your behavior, if you'll do that, I promise you, there will be people that will come up to you at some point in life and they will say something like this. There's something different about you. 
And I, I, I'm interested in what that difference is. It's going to happen to every single one of you if you'll live that life. Your reputation matters. Point number two is this. Seemingly small actions amount to seismic shifts in salvation. I know that's some massive alliteration, right? I've said this before, so I'm going to speed past this point, but I just want you to know this basic idea. There are small things that we can do that amount to these, these gigantic, these large things in, in regarding um, someone's movement toward Jesus. Small things in the natural have a tendency to be giant things in the supernatural. I want to make sure you hear that because God's kingdom is upside down. And small things that we do in the, in the natural sometimes have a gigantic effect in the supernatural. We have to be very careful not to think of the salvation process as an event, as something that someone just does one time. It's a process. Paul describes it this way. He says, he says it's kind of like a farmer who plants seed. And he said some people will come along and they'll plant seed, and then other people will come along and they'll water it, and then somebody else will come along and they'll fertilize it, and then somebody else will harvest it. But all of it is the process of gardening. And you and I participate in, in bringing someone close to Jesus with every action that we have. So what I want to challenge you this, this week to do is to do something kind for someone. To live a life of kindness and hospitality because the posture of hospitality has the ability to open up someone toward Jesus. We don't do it as like this. We, it's, not a, it's not something manipulative. I'm telling you, let's have this type of posture. But what we're doing is we are, we are putting forth, uh, we're trying to open a door for someone so that they will be receptive to Jesus. Um, when I was in, uh, you know what, I want to move fast. All right, point number three, and I'm going to, and I'm going to, uh, this is the big point that I want to make tonight. This is the big deal. Point number three. View your gifts as missional tools. <clears throat> View your gifts as tools that God has given you to bring people closer to Jesus. We've got to start thinking of the things that we have as not simply items that, that have just fallen into our lap, but instead they have the potential to be tools that we use to draw people closer to Jesus. Your home, your car, your cell phone, your extracurricular activities are all opportunities for God to use. They're all tools that we get to use to invite people closer to Jesus. So I want to ask you some questions tonight. And I just want you to think about this. Remember, you, if you're a follower of Jesus, you, have the, you are in relationship with the hope of the world. Without Jesus, our world goes to hell. Without Jesus, you have friends that are living in hell, and Jesus is the answer. And you have the answer. So my question to you is, your social media is a tool for the gospel. How do you use it? Your social media, what you post on Snapchat, what you ask people to send you, what you put on your Facebook. I get it. None of you have those. Uh, Kendall and I have one. Um, I, so your Instagram, you don't have one either? <laughs> Just me. Just me. <laughs> and Natalie and Jess. All right. No, social media. 
What are you, how are you using it to tell other people about Jesus? But it doesn't always have to be this blatant telling other people. How are you using it to make Jesus' reputation better? Or are you using it as a tool to make Jesus' reputation worse? If you come on to church on Wednesday nights and your friends know you're here and you post things that are inappropriate and gross and crude and things that are ugly and things that, are, um, things that a Christian should not say on social media, you're using your tools as a bad steward. When you curse on social media, you're using your tools to defame Jesus' name. When you put ugly things and you, when, you, when you do this subtweeting type stuff, when you subtweet people, you're defaming Jesus' name. So your social media is a tool by which you can glorify and make Jesus famous or you can make Jesus hate it. I, I, when I was in um, another church, there was a time that um, we had a kid in our youth group who... Um, was a Christian. He said he was a Christian, but he was a racist. So just to be clear, you cannot be a Christian and a racist. It, it doesn't, they, don't, they, they, they don't hold hands. They don't like each other at all. And so what happened is, is this kid would come down on Wednesday nights and he would raise his hands and he would sing about Jesus and then he would say ugly things about people of color. And we had a person of color that was coming to our church and he found out, and, he, and I remember him looking at this person and saying, if this person is a Christian, and if he does this, and yet he hates people of color, then I don't want anything to do with Christianity. So that was our social media back then. That was when I was a youth pastor back in the early 2000s. That was social media for us. But when you do things on your social media that disparage the character of Jesus, that disparage your own character, then you are disparaging the character of Jesus. So use your social media as a tool for the gospel. Uh, how do you use your money? What do you do with your money? What do you do with your money to further the gospel? Do you spend everything on yourself? Because if you spend on everything on yourself, you're not a Christian. Christian has to mean something. Christian has to mean something. It can't mean I prayed a prayer. Christian has to mean I follow Jesus Christ. And Jesus spent his money to further the kingdom of God. If you are a Christian, you use your money in ways that further the reputation of God and that give put Jesus in a good place in a good light. And those are those are there's a hundred million different ways to do that, not the least of which, when's the last time that you used your money to do something nice for somebody else? It's that simple. When's the last time the offering bucket came around and you put something in it? When's the last time that you did something with your money that wasn't about yourself? Your money is a tool. And you've got to start using it as this gift that you have that, is, that can put you on mission. How do you use your extracurricular activities? Are they just something that you do to add something to a resume? Or is it an extra opportunity that you have to reach someone, to talk to someone, to share the love of Jesus with someone that you wouldn't have seen any other way? 
on your basketball team and in your band and on your wrestling team and in Spanish club and on your culinary trips? How are you using your extracurricular activities to glorify Jesus and to draw people toward him? They are tools by which you can use to, to, to um, further the gospel. How do you use your influence? How do you use your cell phone? Your cell phone is a tool. Don't let it own you. Own your cell phone. Own your cell phone or it will own you. How do you use your cell phone to further the gospel? Now, here's what, I wanted, here's what I'd like to do. I'm, I'm going to give you about two minutes to think for a second. I'm just going to be quiet. But here's what I'd love for you to do. I'd like for you to think. Um, we probably don't have enough pens, um, but maybe if you've got a pen and you'll share it with the person next to you, I'd love for you to write down a way this week that you can use your tools to do an act of kindness or to do something that glorifies Jesus and opens a door for you to next week begin to invite people to Bow Smoke. I'm going to preach the gospel at Bow Smoke. October 31st, Halloween. We're going to fill this room up. Some of you are going to wear some costumes. I am not. I'm not feeling that. I'm not about that. I just don't feel like it uh, because it takes work. Um, but I'm going to, I'm going to, here's what I'm going to do. I'm going to stand up. I I'm going to tell you, guys, listen. I'm going to stand up. And I'm going to preach about the life-changing, transformational power of the hope of the world, and his name is Jesus. If you will bring people to this room, we will cover it in prayer, and we will preach the gospel, and we will bring people closer to Jesus. Will they pray a prayer that night? I don't care. Will they come closer to Jesus that night? Yes. That's my commitment. We're going to do everything that we can with prayer and with what we do, with the tools that God has given us and with our sermon. We're going to do everything that we can that night to bring people closer to Jesus. And that's all that I care about. So let's take the next two minutes. I'll be quiet. And I want you to write down, how am I going to use my tools? How am I going to use my social media? How am I going to use my money? How am I going to use my car? How am I going to use my extracurricular activities? How am I going to use the classes that I sit in? How am I going to use them as tools that God has given me, as opportunities that God has given me to further the kingdom and to bring people closer to Jesus? So let's not talk. Just write something down. How are you going to do it? Something tangible and something, something real. Not just like, don't write down, I'm going, to, I'm going to use my cell phone. Don't write that down. Write down what you're going to do. Say this, I'm going to shoot Bobby a text tonight. And I'm going to ask him to meet me in the morning at Jack's, and I'm going to buy him a biscuit. Write something like that. Do y'all like that? All right, I'm going to be quiet for two minutes. Maybe. Scott's got some pens. Okay. 
Listen to me. I want to close with this. Listen to me. Some of you have resources. Some of you have resources. Some of you have tools. Some of you have gifts that should be used for the kingdom, that should be used for Jesus, that only you can use. You're the only person that can use it. There are people in this room. There are people in this room right now. The reason you're sitting in this room is because another person in this room used their gift, their tool, their opportunity to get you here. And at some point, we've got to start thinking about the stuff that matters, not just the stuff that's today. You have the hope of the world living on the inside of you. And without that hope, your friends and this world go to hell. Remember what I mean by that. I mean, they have hell now. Not hell this, not that thing. But despair and struggle and stress and frustration and strife and abuse and pain and sorrow. They have all of hatred and bitterness, all of these things that are on the inside of them. And you have the hope of the world. Your friends are living in hell. And you have the tools to bring them out. Tonight, I'd like for you to bow your heads. As, as you do that, um, I'm going to ask our small group leaders to come up and to, um, I'd love to pray with you tonight. Here's what I'd like to pray about tonight. A couple things. First one is this. If you're in this room right now and you would say, Pastor Jeremy, I, uh, I'm not a follower of Jesus. I, I want to I follow Jesus. I want to make that commitment to follow Jesus. If that's you tonight, you say, I'm not a follower of Jesus. I want to do that. With nobody looking around, I'm going to ask that you lift your hand. I want to pray for you tonight. Anybody in here? I, I, it's time for me to make a decision to follow Jesus. Anybody? The second thing is this. Thank you. The second thing is this. Um, I, I want to, we got a, we got a little bit extra time tonight. I'd love for you to take a minute and decide who you are going to share, who you're going to pray about, who you're going to do an act of kindness, who, how you're going to use a tool to share, and who you're going to invite to Bosmo. And I'd like for our leaders to pray about that with you. I, 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 and I'd love for you to have a, like a name, a name in your mind. Who am I going to bring? I'm going to bring Bobby. I'm going to invite Susie. I'm going to invite Shirley. I'm going to, my guess is you don't have any friends named Shirley. But, but I do want you to pray about that. So tonight... When you have a name that pops into your mind, I'd like for you to lift your hand. So I'm just going to wait on you. When you have a name that pops into your mind, just lift, and I'm going to give you some time. When a name pops into your mind, you say, Pastor Jeremy, I'm, uh, I'm thinking of somebody. Keep your, keep your hand up for me. I'm thinking of somebody that needs the hope of the world. And when you come up with somebody, you're like, I'm going to invite them to both. I want you to lift your hand. If you'll stand with me tonight, if you lifted your hand, and, all, and most of you did, um, Daniel's going to play something, and I'd just like for you to come down and just tell your small group leader or tell one of these other leaders that you pray with, say, I'm praying about this person, and let's just agree that God opens their heart and opens a door and, and, and encourages you, challenges you to use the gifts and the tools that you have, the opportunities that you've been afforded to bring people closer to Jesus, okay? So I'm going to begin to pray, and if you lifted your hand, go ahead and come down front. Let's pray with these guys, okay? Jesus, tonight, I believe that you want to you offer hope. You want to offer hope. 
and there are young men and young women that have the hope of the world on the inside of them. Go ahead and begin to come. Um, most of you should be down here praying, okay? Jesus, tonight, will you give us a will you give us a challenge to preach your to speak with our words, with our actions, with our behavior, with our with our tools, with our opportunities, with our gifts, to speak your truth. In Jesus' name, amen. Hey, we're gonna stay down here and pray with you for a few minutes.